1: No, my fuckaro or my key extra time. Korovinda Hunia their name. This week, we discuss the independent investigation into the New Zealand football ferns. A tell-all of what we should expect to see in the final test between the All Blacks and France. women's kaburi, What is it, and why are we so good at it? Plus, the New Zealand women's cricket team continue to smash their way into international T20 records in their series against Ireland. Nearly six weeks since it was first reported publicly, the situation surrounding the national women's football side and coach Andreas Haraf finally came to a head this week. Haraf has been placed on special leave while an independent investigation takes place into the football firm's environment after 13 players made official complaints to the national body through the New Zealand Professional Footballers Association. Those complaints are understood to contain allegations of bullying, intimidation and general dissatisfaction with what some players view as an unprofessional team culture. RNZ sports reporter Clay Wilson has been covering this story and I started by asking him, how have we got to where we are now?
2: Yeah, it's certainly been a pretty hectic week with all this news. Basically what happened is Monday night the official complaints were made from the Players Association to New Zealand football, obviously 13 player complaints. And then Tuesday morning, uh, New Zealand football announced that they'd received these complaints, and that they were going to act on them. Tuesday would have been a very busy day at New Zealand football headquarters. Tuesday night, they held an urgent meeting of the executive committee. At that meeting, they obviously decided that they were going to hold an investigation. That was announced on Wednesday, uh, that they're going to hold an independent investigation. Harap's going to be stood down. But it's certainly been a busy week for a story that's been rolling on for a number of weeks now.
1: What do we know about the nature of these allegations and how long all of this has been going on for?
2: Obviously this is an official employment complaint so the allegations themselves are actually confidential but they're pretty well understood within the media and, and the wider football community that basically contain allegations of bullying, um, intimidation and in general I guess an unhappiness among these players with the, the environment, uh, some of his conduct and the team culture as being unprofessional. It's hard to know exactly I guess until the review is done what we're going to see here um, but there was certainly some, some allegations that... Things aren't quite right and a majority of the team, obviously 13 is a significant number, it's more than half the squad, are not happy with what's been going on within the environment.
1: New Zealand football clearly in the gun here. Where do they currently stand on all of this?
2: Yeah, well New Zealand football CEO Andy Martin and President of the board Derek Shaw both fronted the press conference on Wednesday to announce this independent investigation. Now obviously Andy Martin was grilled fairly uh, heavily on the fact that New Zealand football knew about this before and didn't act. He denies that that they knew the extent of the allegations. Um, Basically, his version of events is they knew about a few isolated incidents. They looked into those isolated incidents and didn't see anything. Um, But it is hard to swallow for probably a lot of the football community, given uh, some of the stories floating around about what's happened here. Um, Obviously... We had Abby Erseg, the, the former captain of the team, the most capped player in history for the New Zealand women's football side. Um, she stood down and, and she's since made some very strong comments. That happened after the Tour of Spain, um, which was in March. They were going back some months now. Um, Andy Martin actually said when that happened, they looked at why she had done it and didn't see anything untoward. Their basic version of events is that Andreas Haraf was making some changes within the team environment to help them succeed and achieve their goal, which is to win games at World Cups and Olympic Games. Their version is that Abby was unhappy with some of the things that Andreas was doing in terms of changes with tactics, things like that, but they viewed that as natural and they didn't see anything untoward with what was going on in the team environment. We've also since learned since then that the the team manager at the time was a long-time team manager. um, She resigned after that tour. She actually made a report after that tour, which basically is understood to contain similar allegations to what's going on here. Bullying, intimidation, general poor conduct from Harraf. Andy Munn explained this at the press conference on Wednesday, and it was one of the big talking points afterwards because it was very odd to a lot of people. Um, so a number of the staff, the manager, the strength and conditioning physio, these support staff, they file their report to the technical director. Um, Obviously her report contained some of these complaints and concerns but the person to receive this was the technical director which was Andreas Haraf obviously as well. So (laughs) those concerns perhaps have not got back as strongly as as they were intended to the CEO and the board. So when they received the report they didn't see anything completely untoward. The conflict of interest obviously around Haraf's dual roles being the technical director and the coach of the Ferns, has definitely played a role here perhaps in some of those concerns and the full extent of them not getting through.
1: So the Footballers Players Association has played a leading role in getting this investigation off the ground. What's their take on the whole saga?
2: Well, first of all, they're happy that an investigation is taking place. That was their priority, and this was that Our full investigation went into what's been going on here, so if the Ferns can get back to focusing on football. I actually spoke to the Footballers Association uh, Chief Executive Harry Nart, who's a former All wide himself, uh, on Wednesday, after the press conference, and asked him about some of Andy Martin's comments about not knowing about the extent of the situation, and he basically thinks it's finds it pretty hard to believe that they didn't know. He mentioned about Abby Usig's retirement, um, how significant that was. Some of the comments she made, perhaps why why wasn't that um, investigated deeper? He also mentioned about the team manager's resignation and and her and her reports. Why weren't they investigated further? I guess all, a lot of that is irrelevant now as the complaints have come to the surface and we're going to have an investigation. But it does certainly shine a light on perhaps a lack of proper procedure here from New Zealand football and really investigating and keeping on top of what's going on within the football ferns.
1: And obviously Harraf's future will be on the line here, so what do we expect will happen to him?
2: It seems pretty impossible, whichever way you look at it, that he's going to retain his job. Probably a quick death or a slow death was the way it was going to happen and it looks like it's going to be a slow death at this point. There was some thought that he might resign or be sacked this week. That's not going to happen. They're obviously going to give him due process around mm-hmm. what's going on here. Um, but the 13 players who made a complaint, Andy Martin confirmed on Wednesday that none of those players will play for the Ferns if Harraf continues to be the coach. Um, so it seems pretty impossible to think that the, the Ferns can go ahead with Haraf as coach. Um, so it's pretty significant, the allegations that have been made, and and as long as um, the process is properly followed, you would expect that at the end of it, Haraf is probably going to be out the door.
1: You mentioned uh, the New Zealand football CEO, Andy Martin, and many in the football community aren't really pleased with him either.
2: Yeah, I guess that's the sort of final thing to touch on here, is um, not only is Haraf's job in the gun, but... Andy Martin has not just now but in the past also been uh, a target of some pretty unhappy football fans in this country. People will remember well 2015, um, I think Andy Martin's second year in the job, the eligibility saga around the under-23 team and um, them being thrown out of the Olympic qualifying tournament and how that was handled. Um, And there's been other minor incidents since but this one is really the most significant of the lot and I guess people... I find it very hard to believe that he didn't know more and why did he not do more. It's certainly already people calling for him to him to stand down. But we will see. This review, you would hope, is going to cover all corners of what's going on here. And obviously Andy Martin plays a central role in his actions and what he did or didn't do is going to come um, in the line here. And if he's made some significant errors, then, yeah, potentially we could see him go, but a lot of people certainly feel that a new direction from the top is warranted across the whole of New Zealand football.
1: That was sports reporter Clay Wilson. (laughs) With the series already wrapped up after the All Blacks won the first two tests, the world champions have made six changes to their side to face France on Saturday night in Dunedin in hopes of breathing life into the three-game test match after questionable refereeing decisions somewhat hindered the series. RNZ Rugby reporter Joe Porter tells us what to expect and who to look out for
3: four debutants Shannon Frazel and Jackson Hemopo from the Highlanders and of course Richie Moonga and Jackson Goodhue from the Crusaders Shannon Frazelle bolting into the starting 15 and blindside flanker he fills the big shoes of Liam Squire who's out injured and I guess has to play a big role alongside Luke Whitelock and Artie Savia missing Kieran Reed and Sam Kane from that lineup too so a, a big game for the loose forwards and Shannon Frazel. All the way from Tonga via Tasman, the Highlanders, now the All Blacks. It's a real story, a meteoric rise for Shannon Frazellan. His brother, of course, plays rugby league for Australia, so a real sporting family. Should expect some big things from him. He's called Mr Athletic. I think Luke Whitelock's described him as an athletic freak. So um, expecting some big things from Shannon Frazellan. Of course, Jackson Hemopo, a young man who's played for the under-20s for New Zealand before. Caught the eye against the British and Irish Lions last year playing for the Highlanders and all of a sudden he's in the All Blacks team ready to make his debut. So an impressive run for him and it looks like he'll play his international career at number 6 Rather than at lock, he provides a few different options. And, of course, Richie Moanga, beaten out by Damien McKenzie to make his test debut off the bench. A good effort for him. He's probably unlucky, in fact, not to be starting in many ways. And Jackson Goodhue gets a start at centre, replacing Anton Leonard-Brown outside of Sunnybill Williams. So his first test start, he went away on the interview tour last year and played against the French Barbarians in a non-test game. So I guess uh, we're expecting some good things from him and his first chance to really impress on the international stage.
1: And you did mention d so d at
3: first five, yeah. the experiment continues. Yeah, that's right. Look, I'm one of the, the pundits that suggested that Richie Moonga should probably start as I see him as more of a backline general type of first five, a more typical kicking directional play type of player. Uh, we all know Damien McKenzie is great with the ball in hand. He's off the cusp. He's incredible. He breaks tackles. He beats players. He's... He's, he's amazing with the ball in hand and he, he has some deft qualities with his passing game. However, I'm not sure if he's shown us yet at test level or at first five, even at super level, that he can really control and dictate a game from first five like a Dan Carter or a Bowden Bar- Aaron Crude and Andrew Mertens could have done. So the All Blacks think he can. They've kept the faith. They've you know decided to start him ahead of Moanga, given him a crack to really run the cutter and hopefully behind a better-performing forward pack this week from the All Blacks. We'll see what DMACC can really do.
1: And you can't avoid the refereeing controversy that's dogged this series as well. Yeah,
3: we can't. We can't get away from the red cards, the yellow cards, the. All Blacks having 16 men on the field, including the referee controversy the French have been claiming. It has been a tough series on the French, let's be honest. They've had some rough calls go against them. The yellow card in the first test, the red card in the second, really ruining the contests and ruining the series. So let's hope the referee keeps his nose clean, so to speak, and lets the game flow this weekend. The players keep their noses clean and don't force the referee into having to produce a red card like last week. and We get to see a real contest where the French have 15 players for the full 80 minutes. We know, look, in Wellington they were up... You know, before they got the red card. In Auckland they were up at fifty minutes before the yellow card. So we know they can compete. Let's see what they can do the full eighty this weekend and see if they can push the all Blacks right to the end. And we all know they'll be fired up after what's been a fairly tough series on them. They'll be feeling a little hard done by down in the South Pacific.
1: That was rugby reporter Joe Porter. The increasingly popular sport of kabaddi will see a New Zealand women's team travel to Malaysia to compete at the International Challenge this weekend as a warm-up to the World Cup. New Zealand have competed at three World Cups, but this time have recruited some of the toughest women in the country to vie for their first title. If you're wondering what kabaddi is exactly, I decided to train with the team to find out. The Indian sport of kabaddi requires a combination of strength, speed and agility. Often compared to the game of bull rush, it has no equipment, just a strategy. Touch your opponent without getting touched yourself, which I found is more complex than it sounds. The New Zealand women's kabaddi team was formed only five weeks ago and will compete at the International Challenge this weekend in Malaysia. And former Kiwi Ferns player Kathleen Kerimete says this tournament is a step towards a bigger goal.
4: We'll cup at the end of the year for circular kabari, so that's the outdoor version. But our hope is to go over to Singapore, put our best foot forward and um, be able to be invited back to other tournaments. So uh, the way the, the sport works is you need to be invited. So we're hoping to go over there, perform really well and be invited to other tournaments.
1: The side has historically had a strong Kiwi Ferns rugby league influence including former captain Serena Fiso, while others have gone on to become black ferns. Now, with the rules of this tournament changing from outdoor to indoor like the pros, Kerimete has gone a step further, recruiting local Brazilian jiu-jitsu champions, wrestlers and mixed martial artists to impose added strength.
4: Those kind of backgrounds, they're used to being uh, in a one-on-one situation. They're used to being at close quarters and... um, and having to seemingly fight their way out of situations, which um, it's good for the rest of us that haven't had the luxury of being in those sports. It it brings a lot of experience and different dimensions and skills to the team.
1: One of those is former Samoa Manusina rugby player Sally Kaukau, who is fresh off winning gold at the New Zealand and Pan Pacific Jiu-Jitsu Championships.
4: I found the transition quite natural i um, been doing MMA for just over three years, um, so cage fighting, competing at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and
1: wrestling. I haven't yet done a wrestling match, but I train wrestling um, three times a week. Um, so yeah, it, the transition is very similar to wrestling. To qualify, the team must be associated to a Sikh temple or governing body, which manager Tara Singh Baines takes care of as well as coaching, the cultural aspect to the sport being just as important as the sport itself. Although the team have performed a traditional Maori haka at past tournaments, here the team are learning bangara, a traditional Indian dance which they'll perform on the world stage as a sign of respect.
2: There's a tour profession in New Zealand, so... They got a, each got a six team. They're doing own tournament. Um, part of my side, our organization, we have only one team. We get invited in both federations. Where we invited, we go. We play about a two-three tournament a year.
1: During the Kabaddi Challenge, New Zealand will face teams from the host nation, India, England, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. The White Ferns are showing some impressive form at the start of their British and Irish tour as they build towards the T20 World Cup in the Caribbean in November. The New Zealanders broke numerous records in their one-day series against Ireland and started the T20 Tri-Series in similar fashion. Coach Heidi Tiffin, who's been in the job since 2015, has the task of taking the White Ferns back to the top of the game. They last won the ODI World Cup in 2000, has never won the T20 World Cup and has a current ranking of three. Tiffin told Barry Guy that the current six-week tour will be great for her side.
4: It was originally just an England series, but uh, we had a, the Irish talk to us about coming over there before coming to England and that made a lot of sense for us. We're leading into a, a T20 World Cup in a few months, and spending uh, time outside as opposed to being indoors back in, at home in the winter is really valuable. I mean, we're a team that I think you know we we need to play a lot lot of games together, and you, you can't just be spending time out in the middle for learning and, and growing as a group and as individuals. So, yeah, it is a long tour, and, and I think that's an nature of where the women's games going at the moment, where the more it's turning. Um, professional um, means more games will be uh, up for grabs.
0: New Zealand cricket's obviously giving you their full backing we know what New Zealand cricket has been going through in the last year or so and you've got a good sized staff there and and everything it sounds like you you sort of couldn't ask for too much more.
4: New Zealand cricket have been fully supportive I think the World Cup last year you know, we had a review and and it revealed a few things that we needed to work on and New Zealand cricket have really helped us out with areas of uh, that we've needed to move our game forward and, and one is playing more games and um, just that support around the team. Uh, so, yeah, look, really pleased with, you know, the support that we've got and the games that we're getting and, and New Zealand has been fantastic.
0: And I suppose with all of these games that you have got, do you get a chance, to, or you, you're obviously getting a chance to uh, impose your plans on the team and, and what you want them to achieve this year?
4: Yeah, definitely. So we're spending probably... Uh, over the next uh, two years, we've got two T20 World Cups: one in, in uh, 20 oh, at the end of this year in November, and then one in February, March uh, 2020. So, you know, they all roll around really quick. So, um, there has been a bit more of an emphasis on the T20s just um, of late. And um, you know, that power game. I think you even saw with England the woman scoring 250 after we scored 216. You know, it's just this power game in the woman's within the women's game is. Uh, is really developing. Um, so, yeah, look, we, we know that's the style that we want to play. We've got players that can execute that, and, and we've got some youngsters in uh, our group that we're we're wanting to develop uh, as well, and they're uh, showing some real promise.
0: We know the pedigree of Susie Bates and Sophie Devine when it comes to power hitting, but, I mean, how do you develop that? Do you just give them the free reign? Uh, obviously, they have to have the, the skill to go with it.
4: Yeah, definitely. I think there's the balance of spending that time there uh, learning the shots and, and then just giving players the, the, the freedom, I suppose, and the, the backing and confidence to, to go out there and try and execute it. You know, there is the balance between aggressive and reckless when it comes to batting, but we certainly um, really define that, uh, well, players are really defining that for themselves, um, you know, talking with around their own game plans and the areas of strength that they want to play. But someone like a Susie Bates, you know, we're seeing her playing some shots uh, that she's been, Working on in the nets and now she's you know she's evolving as the women's games evolving.
0: So, do you have players that are you know this this is difficult for them being away this this long from New Zealand? I mean, do you still have players that work or you know families those sorts of things?
4: Yeah, look, it is it's it's something that we've talked about. I mean, there is the you know we've got um, probably half of our well five or six girls that are sort of full time and then others that are working full time back home and trying to balance. With a part-time contract and um, or study as well, so we're at this sort of cusp of change uh, and we're not full-time, but we have part-time contracts. So we do really have to support and have that balance. And you know, we're lucky that you know some families come over to support their daughters and or partners, and and that's we're really supportive of that. We're really about the whole the whole person, ensuring that we provide that holistic approach.
1: White Ferns coach Heidi Tiffin talking to Barry Guy. And that's all we have time for this week for Extra Time. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And don't forget you can stay up to date with all our sports stories during the week via our website www.radionz.co.nz forward slash sport and on Twitter at RNZ Sport. Thanks for listening. Hey Corner.